0: Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Surround yourself with smart people and try actually not to be the smartest person in the room. Because if you are, you'll never be able to grow the company because you'll be limited by your own limitations. This is the Business
1: Leadership Podcast, and and I'm Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. How are you doing today? Well, first off, thank you for joining me. Really appreciate the time that you're taking to join me. But before jumping in, I want to share some excitement quickly approaching the 100th episode of of this podcast and can't believe 100 is just around the corner and to celebrate i'm wondering who i should interview who should i have on the on the podcast so let me know reach out to me directly via email social media or drop a message on my facebook group the business leadership group let me know who you think would be an ideal guest it could be anyone Let's shoot for the moon, literally. This is episode number 94, and my guest today is Eli Fathi. He's the CEO of MindBridge AI. Eli is a serial entrepreneur with several successful exits in launching innovative technology companies in North America that serve a global customer base. He has founded or co-founded companies that currently employ over 400 people and have generated over $500 million in salaries and net benefits to the economy. Ellie is passionate about personal growth, challenging oneself and others to be held to a higher standard and scaling up businesses around world-class products that solve real-world problems. In our conversation, we talk about topics like singularity and AI. Ellie shares lessons that he learned in scaling multiple businesses successfully. And hear what you have to Due to grow as a business leader, especially if you're part of a highly skilled work environment. Our sponsors today are Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what their customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Ellie.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Happy to be here. I'm happy. I'm happy to have you. This is actually an amazing long time coming for the listeners out there. Just a quick story I had met Ellie um, over a year ago up in Ottawa, a shared organization that we both have passions about, which is Startup Canada. So, um, super. Excited to share your your journey in business leadership, Ellie. Um, so why don't we just start off first off, Ellie? If you could introduce yourself to our listeners today, let us know who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing or leading businesses.
0: So uh, my name is Ellie Fathi. I'm the um, president and CEO of MindBridge AI. This is the seventh company that I founded or co-founded. Um, I had three exits before, and um, my uh, impact to the Ottawa community, I like to say that there are 400 people that got up from bed this morning, went to work because of companies that I founded or co-founded. And uh, my contribution to the Ottawa economy in salaries alone and over the last 30 years is uh, about half a billion dollars, and there's other benefits. So it's very exciting for me to to uh, be part of this podcast, but more importantly, what really drives me is not the companies as much. The companies are a vehicle for me to help other people, help the community. I'm involved in many uh, non for profit boards, uh, and my key value that I derive is getting mentoring other people and learning from them in the sense giving back to the community that's what's really important to me
1: well that's amazing and i I love the passion you have and i and it was really evident when i met you ellie so thank you for all your contributions and everything that you're doing within the community and within the tech sector as well so let's just jump right now into your current role you mentioned your current company is mindbridge ai so why don't we let us know specifically what, what your current responsibilities, roles are now, and maybe what you're trying to accomplish over the next uh, six to 12 months.
0: So um, what do we do? So I'm the CEO of the company. And what, what do we do? I, I say that I work here. And I tell you, the word work is not correct because the day that I have to work, I will not come to this place it's, it's fun, <laughs> fun and uh and all the management team and, and i'm hoping the people in the company all 70 of us are coming to work because they love what they do uh, and we do love what we do and i speak for myself and i'm trying to get the same thing with the team itself everybody on the team for what do we do we use artificial intelligence and machine learning to uncover anomalies in data. That's in one, four words, uncover anomalies in financial data. So what do we do that for? Financial data, uh, if you want to know, is the lifeline of all businesses and everything that happens. And w- we, when you are able to determine the accuracy and providence of the data, you are in a position to say categorically, this is correct, this is accurate, there is no fraud. Why? Because if you look currently, there are four trillions of losses worldwide that are done in financial data in all sectors worldwide. And only about 200 billion of that, only about 5% are detected We feel that, uh, as you know, I'm very uh, proponent of giving back to the community and making sure that the community is doing well. Well, if we can find more of this $4 trillion and give it back to the community, that's going to make a big impact on the life of many people. And this is really what we like to do. So our product is not only addressing... Uh, product to make money, but is addressing really uh, has impact on community and the well-being of the community. And for us, this is the why. You know, if you look at the why for the company, that's the why for the company. That's
1: great. Why well, I'm really excited. I know a lot of things have been happening within the news within MindBridge. So super excited to to see where it goes in 2019 and beyond as well. And hopefully all the impact happens into the communities as as to the why of your company i just wanted to rewind a bit ellie um as as you mentioned at the top i mean you've grown you've started a number of companies i wonder and i'm curious and this might be difficult uh, for for you with, with the amount of type of experience and businesses that you've grown um but ideally i'm looking for you a specific situation Ideally, a difficult decision could be a pivotal moment uh, sometime in your career that you had to make, um, it was really hard to make, that eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader or entrepreneur.
0: Uh, clearly, there are, there are many small steps along the way, but there are also some big steps. I would say, if you look at, at the most recent, when I said I started seven companies, not all companies were successful. The first two I was the the vice president. I was, uh, and they did not succeed I, in both cases. And it's not to mention anybody or fault of anybody. I left uh, because I did not see the right direction. And few years after, they did not succeed. But that's in high tech, and I was not involved in them. But nonetheless, they did not succeed. Mm-hmm. My third uh, company did succeed, uh, uh, and fourth as well. So I had both exits in the third and the fourth. And, uh, the fifth, and this is a, when I mean, it's a pivotal moment in, mm-hmm. in, in the, the case of, uh, the fifth, I, uh, after the exit, I I started to look at why not create a business model to help companies to sell the wear. if you look at one of the complaints about Canadian companies and you know that on, uh, patents, and innovation canada stands shoulder to shoulder against anybody in the world against the u.s against any other country but when it comes to commercialization we are lacking and i said why don't we set up a distribution model of sales model around the world and i did within a year we had 30 people around the world helping canadian companies to sell across the world and vice versa companies from around the world to sell into the world uh, in general, that countries with they are not in. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I find later on that it was clear that in one case, when we were successful, people took away our, peop- uh, our individual contributors. And when we were not successful, they blamed not the product, but they blamed the company. So mm-hmm. I made a, a very conscious decision that, you know, that's not going to be a good business model. And that was a game changer because at that point I decided I'm going to look into the internet. This is as the internet, 2006, 2007, the internet is becoming something of a phenomenon. And rather than working, doing something for other companies, let's do it for myself. And I teamed up with a 21 year old. And of course that was our, my six exit and my colleague six exit. And that was really a pivotal moment when I said, you know what? know when to stop, know when that this is not going to work and move on. And to me, this is one of the lessons learned that people that are entrepreneurs, right? You always say, have the belief that you're going to succeed, but know also when you should throw the towel. And to me, that's really important because some people just don't know when to throw the towel. And when we did that, when I did that, there's, Six Company was a magnificent exit. It was fantastic. It was incredible exit. And it was uh, based on the fact that I said, no, I'm not going to continue along that path. Let me finally repivot and find another way of doing it. And it was successful.
1: Well that, that that's a great example. I really appreciate you sharing that. And and just just to understand what I was hearing, Ellie, it, it was really specific to the business model that you were running at that time for that for that business and 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 you, you know, looking at the data or, or really just understanding wh- what was happening, you just had to like put your foot down and say this is not the way it
0: should be, right? That's right. Although the business model was correct, it it failed, right? And it's okay to fail, and this is one of the things that I love about the entrepreneurship in the U.S. In the U.S., when you fail, it's a badge of honor, right? It's it's an experience that you learn. But fail fast, right? And here uh, I have the experience of seven companies. If you ignore the first two because I was not this, you know, uh, the CEO. Uh, if you look at the next four, ignore number seven because it's still going, <laughs> I have three out of four, 75%. It's not a bad uh, success rate, right? Three exits out of uh, four, right? And I'm sure that my bridge will be even bigger and better than anything else that was done. So you have to be honest and open that sometimes with all the good intentions, you may not be able to succeed. doesn't matter. You just... It can be the wrong timing, it can be the wrong model, it can be the wrong people, it can be not sufficient funding, it can be uh, cultural, it can be, uh, you know, all kind of issues, you may not be able to pull it off and you have to be uh, strong enough to admit, I made a mistake, I'm moving on, starting something else.
1: Yeah no and and it's really important and I love that you are we're talking about this. I mean this also personally in, in my career as well and you know struggling with projects or, or businesses that I've run and and it took me a long time to to let it go. Um when you speak to entrepreneurs now like it, it's really evident to someone like yourself Ellie that you know what this is a bad decision. <laughs> like I don't know why you're still in it and and it, sometimes it's really emotions, right? So, what do you tell an entrepreneur, maybe someone you're advising? Like, do you do you just give them the straight? You know, this is a bad idea. You got to get over it and, and move on, or do you just let them get to that realization?
0: You you have to analyze what's wrong. As I said, the the key element of entrepreneurship is that you never you believe, you never give up, right? So that's the why entrepreneur live right you you believe in it and you should never give up but as a smart there is a smart entrepreneur and there is one that is not as smart because as a smart entrepreneur you have to realize at certain t- point in time to read the tea leaves and say it's not going to work now let's take fluidware the, my previous company with my co-founder mm-hmm for the first two years, we did not take any money. So you'll say, what keeps you uh, in, to wake up in the morning to go to work when you know that you're not making money, you know that you don't have the product yet, and you know that you won't have the product tomorrow either? Mm-hmm. What what makes you? I mean, it took us uh, a year before we we started to sell our product. And it took us still until the end of the second year before we did not take money for the first two years. And we believed in it and we stuck with it. But that's the difference. You you have to see the signs that it's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. If you don't see the signs, then you have to bail out and switch and pivot. That's what the word pivot. You, you have to be able to pivot to go to the, something else because otherwise you're just hurting yourself. You're banging your head against the wall.
1: One thing that just came to mind, Ellie, and you being the CEO of the last four and, and fifth company now, do you think um, making those pivots is a little easier if the CEO of a company is not parting the founding members?
0: Not necessarily. in in principle yes mm-hmm. uh, but I'm talking about a pivot when that pivot took place. it was pivot in my career uh, Right, right, I, right. I dropped the one company mm-hmm. and started another one right that's what I mean by the pivot in this case in its pivot of my career, but yes, within the company itself uh the uh, the answer to your question is yes. When you don't have emotional attachment, it's much easier to pivot uh, within the company than when you... You should never fall in love with your product, in other words. That's right. Yes. That's uh, right.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. At the top of the uh, the episode, Ellie, you mentioned and i really proud of, of, of what you've done in terms of, like, in any given day, 400 people have generated, you know, over half a billion dollars worth of salary, you know, and it benefits many things within the community as well. Um, with your experience, I'm curious, what are the lessons that you've learned and that you could share with with us today when it comes to scaling a company
0: successfully? So um, there are a number of points that I will share. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, you have to look at a company on two levels. There is the individual credibility and there is the company. So in terms of, I start with the person. You have to build your credibility. It is absolutely very important that you build your credibility. And to me, the number one thing that you must have is integrity. When you're going to get into business and you are, let's say, uh, millennials, you are, let's say, 25-year-old or 30-year-old, and your career is still another 30, 35 years ahead of you, you have to remember that you probably will change Five, six companies. I mean, I give you example. I'm this is my seventh, right? And uh, so, if you're going to have this kind of a career, you must ensure that people in the community around you will believe and trust you. That to have high credibility by having high integrity, right? Now, that's how. So, how do you build your credibility and and uh, what you do? as a must, and this is table stakes, it's not negotiable, have high integrity. So people can point out and say, this is a fine person. Yeah. But then, how do you make sure that you are lifelong learning and how do you continue to be on top of your game? So one of the things that I say to people, which if the the opposite is also true, never compare yourself against anybody because be competitive against yourself. And why do I say that? If you look at the best example is Bill Gates. Bill Gates for at least 12, 15 years, was the number the richest man in the world. right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Jeff Bezos came and he's richer than him. <laughs> so if 70 billion to 100 billion are not sufficient to make sure that you are the best, what else do you want? So what I'm saying is never compare against each other because it will eat you because you, you'll never be you'll never be able to there's always you'll never be able to catch up. There's always someone smarter, bigger, taller, and so on than you. And if you compare compare against yourself, right? Be unhappy with where you are. You can say, I want more, but I'm happy what I've got now, but I would like to have more. In whatever area it is, I want to have a better job, I want to have a bigger salary, I want to have a bigger car, but it's against yourself. You're not comparing it yourself to somebody else. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a must. You, you cannot stop learning. If you're going to be a CEO of a company, if you're going to be a manager and you want to look at the future, you have to continue to learn. The day that you stop learning, the day that you die, the day that you really, uh, your career is going to, to die. and when when I tell people in terms of building the company, never ever talk about managers. What you need to know is learn how to think, learn how to make decision, and learn how to lead. When people say I want to manage, it really uh, bothers me in the sense that you don't. People are not chattels. You cannot manage. Boxes. If you have boxes, if you have cattle, it's not cattle that you are managing to point in the right direction. People have feelings, they have thoughts, and you, as a manager, uh, don't call yourself the manager. Call yourself a leader. I'm going to lead, and I need to make decision because many people are not able to make decision. And this is the executive position, or you are low level. Individual contributor, you must be able to uh, make decisions. And uh, in terms of how you're going to again build your credibility, you want to be known as somebody that is thinking out of the box, is solution-oriented, that would charge the status quo, that will contribute. And also think big, think about where I'm going to move next, how I'm going to move my department to other area or my company. It doesn't matter if you are a company person or the CEO, or you're a manager. I say to everybody, be the CEO of your own organization. So that's on the individual level. What about the company level? On the company level, it's very simple. There are four simple steps. One, you have to define, select your people, select the team, right? Because without a team, in today's environment, you cannot be successful. You determine who is on the bus, right? Mm -hmm. You start by selecting that. Then, you have to define a goal, and you want to define an audacious goal. You want to define a goal to say, this is our vision, this is our mission, and this is our goal that we would like to accomplish. Once you do that, what you have to do is create cadence. It's really, people don't realize, companies are very structured. It's almost very scientific. You can say it's, it's a very scientific, the way that company runs You have to establish the routine, the cadence of the sale, of the engineering, on the finance, and you just follow over and over again and measure it. You know, the saying, if you cannot measure, if you cannot count, you cannot measure it, right? You'll be able to KPI, you have to provide KPIs and just go over that over and over and over again. That's how companies become successful. Simple as that. One other thing to wrap it all up Mm -hmm. is the culture. You must create a culture in the company that uh, is basically the glue that put all of this together.
1: If you are enjoying this conversation and have any questions, comments, or feedbacks, please post it on my free private Facebook group where I share daily insights. I'll answer your questions, your comments, and, most, most importantly, connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply go to the businessleadership.com slash fb group, or search for the business leadership group directly on Facebook. Now let's get back to it. So, so many important uh, points that I really, I really appreciate, and I was actually taking notes, Ellie. That that's that's really great, and I hope I hope those listening today are definitely going to have to. Probably press rewind and and listen to that stuff as well because there's there's a lot of gold there. I wanted to just move it along as well and get some insight from you, Ellie, because you provide so much knowledge, so much wisdom. So I'm really curious if you could name a, name a person within within your life, your career, who had like a tremendous impact on you as a business leader. It could be anyone. It could be someone alive, not around anymore, I mean, even someone you haven't met. Um, Who comes to mind?
0: By far, I would say Jack Welch influenced my thinking uh, on the business side. He was the CEO of of GE in the 80s. And I find that he uh, typifies what a real business is all about and how to run the business. But aside from him, I must say that that was on the business side. But I have two other gentlemen that actually impacted my life from uh, not the business, but to give, to give back to the community. And my uh, fourth company, I had a board of directors that were two uh, distinguished gentlemen that worked uh, in the government federal government and They were amazing in the sense that they taught me the value of giving back. I've never, since I met them, uh, and that was about 20 years ago, until now that I met anybody as giving as they were. They were, all they wanted was to have the benefit of Canada. They really taught me, they were amazing. They taught me the value of giving back. And when I worked with them and they were on my board, they taught me that the love that they had for Canada, they taught me that that you have to give back and you don't have to really ask for what's in it for me, but they did everything and worked with me and on my board and they just showed me the passion that they had for Canada and giving back to the community. And that really stayed with me. And then since then, that I really got involved so much in the community, and the notion of giving back was so ingrained in me, and, and I find it so rewarding and useful.
1: That's very cool. Very cool, and and it's really evident in terms of just uh, from the reputation I've, you know, I've found from you through Startup Canada and hearing a lot of things that you are doing within the community. So that's awesome, and, and I I try to learn from that as well. Real quickly. What are you doing, Ellie, today, and maybe what you've always been doing that ensures that you continue to grow, continue to learn, and develop as a better business
0: leader? So, I, I do two things that are important. One, I mentor a lot of people, I mentor a lot of men, people, and I learn a lot by mentoring them. So, that's the one thing. But in addition, I am an avid not reader, but listener, because I don't have as much time to read. I am listening to audio books. And second part of it, I listen to a lot of uh, b- podcast. And I can recommend, I listen religiously to Reed Hoffman, Master of Scale from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I listen to uh, uh, Adresen Horowitz, also uh, from Silicon Valley, And uh, Tim Ferriss. So I listen to quite a lot of podcasts because they deal with real life situation of entrepreneurs and companies that are scaling up. And that's the best way to learn from the mistakes of other people and to skip some steps, right? If you learn what not to do. So that's to me. These are the two methods: by mentoring other people and listening to smart people that have done and been there and succeeded.
1: No, that was a definitely great, great podcast. Appreciate that, and, and we'll listen to we'll list them on this episode web page as well, just so everyone could take a look at that as well. Um, a quick topic on on something I'm generally interested in, Ellie, and I'm really curious to get your insights in it because this is sort of your space. Um. I'd like to get your thoughts, insights, like how you prepare, or how you s- foresee leading the next generation of the workforce. Uh, you know, with, with all the new technologies surrounding artificial intelligence, machine learning, and even the thoughts within, within the news of, oh, everyone has to upskill now. People are going to lose their jobs because automation is, or AI or, or some of the machines will take over some of these, these tasks. Um, love to get what what you see or how you see companies um, or leaders manage. Then,
0: as you know, it's it's a very important topic to me. Uh, I speak a lot about it. I wrote a lot of articles and uh, blog posts on it. So so let's let's talk about the AI. So the AI revolution, what is known now is the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Really took shape a couple of years ago. Really not really recently. Although there was many what they call winter and springs and AI, the real, the current revolution is taking place. Maybe starting 2014. Now this is when DeepMind announced that they can beat with Alpha, you know, the Go. Uh, they they had, and then the Alpha Go Zero. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, DeepMind uh, had a computer program that was able to uh, beat player in Alpha Go, and then with Alpha Go Zero. Actually, they were able to demonstrate it without teaching the computer, just the computer, just giving the computer the basics of the rules of the game. They were able to beat players within about three days. So if you look at the AI, AI revolution, or what they call the fourth industrial revolution, is being compared the impact of that to the impacts of electricity on the world. And yes, it's going to have profound impacts because PwC made a study and they conclude And predict that by the year 2030, there will be $15.7 trillion accretive to the GDP of the world, most of it with the benefit of China, the US, and and Canada. So, this is really a huge impact when you talk about such a massive gross impact on the uh, GDP. So, the smart people talk about okay, where do we go from? here on the AI. So you always hear about the notion of singularity. Mm-hmm. And singularity is the time that machine and human will have more or less similar uh, capabilities. And And the futurists uh, talk about the year 2045. What I say is that AI is a marathon. Yes, the end of the marathon, the 26 mile will be when you're going to reach singularity. We may never reach singularity, but I'm not going to argue with the <laughs> smarter people that I am to say if we'll reach there 2045 or be, before or then later. But the bottom line is that we are right now in the first 100 meters of the 42 uh, kilometers or 26 mile. So, what is the danger associated with AI? The the common uh, Issues that people talk about is uh, AI is black box, AI uh, algorithms are biased, you have privacy issues, you have ethical issues, and it's true. You, you obviously have to be very uh, cognizant of some of these elements, and you have to put the uh, rules and regulations uh, in, in with companies and governments to make sure that these are not being violated. But the biggest challenge that people are concerned about and governments are concerned about are that the concerns are that you are going to impact the livelihood of people. So let me just say the following. Robots, there are 340 million people that are working in assembly of some sort around the world Mm -hmm. in manufacturing. Every time that you have a robot, it replaced 5.6 people. So if you have 60 million robots, you can see that it will replace everybody. Now, that's dangerous statistics to consider, but put it there aside. Let me talk about another statistics. Amazon just a few years, recently, about a year ago, have the Amazon go where they have, you can go to a supermarket mm-hmm. uh, Go and take, pick up what you want in the supermarket, put it in your cart and leave. And the system in the supermarket will know exactly which item you picked up, and they'll send you the bill. You don't have to do no checkout, right? Now there are three point four million cashier in North America. Imagine if all of this will disappear. Okay. So these are the de- what we're dealing with now. The issue is that in the 1930s, people, always this is the fourth industrial revolution, but there were three other ones before. Mm-hmm. Historically, it did not work out. Historically, the fears that of technology unemployment that was uh, basically coined by Mr. Keynes, Dr. Keynes in the 30s, it really did not materialize. What happened is because of new services, new product, New opportunities, actually, there were more jobs created than lost. What is different nowadays? What is different nowadays is as follows. One, I mentioned to you that the blue-collar workers, because of robotics, have been quite automated in many, many, many cases. As you know, all you have to go and look at what happened in Amazon. It's just uh, Amazon bought a company in robotics, and all of their facilities are highly, highly automated right? With robotics. So, so that's going to take a dent. Uh, And that's been happening the last 15 years. Then you look at the low skills. The lower skills have been also eliminated. If you look at, there are no receptionists anymore because an iPad has been replacing a receptionist, Right, right? So what is left is white collar, right? And the AI is attacking all of these positions as well. So. Having said the doom and gloom (laughs) on the one side, I can say on the other side, historically, we will see new positions being created, new opportunities, new services, and hopefully the people that are being replaced and displaced by the AI will be able to find other positions that are, you know, not necessarily at the same level But especially if you're talking about new generation, what you should teach your children, clearly data scientists, cybersecurity, and you have a lot of this. There is huge demand for data scientists that are the people that are writing the algorithms for the AI. You have huge demand for cybersecurity. So uh, you may not be able to take uh, lower level skills and retrain them. But certainly, the new generation that are going to school, you will have ability to do that, and uh, we, we are hopeful that these uh, displacement and replacement because of the technology will not be as severe as people are predicting, and, and history proved it correctly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fascinating time. I'm excited. I mean, I have a two and a half year old daughter right now, and you know, I just think twenty years—like, really, it's even maybe a discussion we're not even talking about yet, right, Ellie? So that—that's—it's uh, yeah. really exciting, and uh, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens and how everyone changes and adopts, right? And hopefully, we we yeah. we we play a pivotal role in, in in shaping the lives in this world as well fun question Ellie um, if I were to ask any of your team members it could be past present colleagues business partners it could even be board members <laughs> what what is the best leadership quality that you possess what do you think they would say that I'm super caring <laughs> okay I like
0: that I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness but I, I can't help it I'm, I'm empathetic and i'm very very caring i uh, look at everybody and always try to find the nice things and what they- were you always like that Ellie? yes
1: very interesting because sometimes you know through through this process of podcast some business leaders learn about that em- empathy as they get older or get more experience within business leadership and that but so it's really interesting that that you had a definite like yes this is who i was ever since
0: it was ingrained in me from childhood, so I was like, "That's that. great." Um,
1: I'm having a blast, Ellie. I mean, <laughs> I know before we press record, we we were talking that we were probably going to talk for a long time, and I think we can. But, uh, <laughs> but I just want to know what else is going on in your life, whether it's business, personal. Do you have any special projects, initiatives, anything, anything that you'd love to share with our community that you're super excited about?
0: Yes, uh, one of the things that we have done this year, as you know, the the AI is going to impact, and we talked about it. There' be many impacts on many people, uh, hopefully in a positive way, and the people that are impacting in a negative way that we we can find ways to uh, help them. And what I believe in is capitalism with a heart. You know, we, we are a Canadian. Are caring we we want to make sure that people that cannot be taking care of themselves we take care of them so one of the things that we have done this year we launched uh, a conference called impact ai and we it was amazing in the sense that we uh, launched it we decided to do that uh, in january and by may we had it all going and we have 550 people attending we had um 100 people on the waiting list. We had large companies sponsoring it. And the whole notion will end. The most important thing is one of the areas that is really close to my heart that I feel very strongly about is women in tech. I feel that right now, uh, if you look at the population we have uh, actually 52% women and 48% uh, men, and you want to get to the balance in terms of the high tech, you noticing that there is only about twenty three percent of women in in STEM in general, and if you look at it specifically in the tech, it's even less, right? So that's not. Uh, imagine how you're going to get smart people if basically third of the uh, third of a half, right? Basically of, of uh, are not in the workforce, right? You have a lot of smart people. Just look at the statistics. If if only 20% and the other 30% are not accessible, Mm -hmm. it's not good for the economy, right? Because just by normal distribution, there are a lot of Mensa and smart people in this 30%, right? And we are not accessing them for the community of both the community as well as the industry and the high tech. So getting them into and encouraging them Is really important. So we in that conference actually we had three uh, recognition of uh, women in tech people that are trying to help both young women as well as uh, more uh, in professional to uh, be recognized that we want to increase the visibility and shine spotlight on this issue and do our best to help them. To, to be recognized that this is something that all of us must do and work hard to encourage more young uh, women to to join the STEM phenomenon and be part of well, it.
1: Well, that's great. <laughs> like I said, I mean, I come from the tech background and my daughter being two and a half. This is such amazing initiatives, and I'm really happy to, to share that with our community. So definitely let us know um, how we could help. Um, you know, promote it as it comes in the new year, um, and anything that else is coming out. But before we end, Ellie, I'd love to get some final thoughts from you, observations, ideally some type of actionable recommendations that you can share to maybe the growing business leader uh, or entrepreneur who may be going. <laughs> given your experience, maybe um within a, a high scale environment right now.
0: So it's it's really important to know that. You are not the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, no matter how smart you are, there are other people that are more smart than you. They may not be in that room, but surround yourself with smart people and try actually not to be the smartest person in the room, because if you are, you'll never be able to grow the company because you'll be limited by your own limitations, right? Right. So, but if you have smarter people in the room with you, you're going to grow uh, with unlimited possibilities. So a lot of people like to just try to hire people that are below Mm -hmm. them in terms of capacity and abilities. And I'm suggesting the opposite. Go and hire the smartest people that you can. And they are the ones that are going to help you to, to get to reach the stars.
1: That's great. Awesome. Awesome recommendation and tips as well. Ellie. can you let us know where we could find more information about you, your company, or anything else you'd love to share with us today?
0: So, uh, AI. look at the website. People can reach me on LinkedIn at, uh, uh I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn at Fatih at uh, gmail.com. So you can get me on LinkedIn and, uh, the rest is, uh, I'm uh, always happy to give back to the community and I do my best. I think that everybody should do the same. We, one person at a time, if we make each one of us just make one person a day or a week or a month better, before we know it, the whole community, the whole country uh, would be better. As you know, rising tide raises all boats and that's what we should do.
1: I love that. Ellie it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for joining us on the business leadership podcast
0: You're very welcome and thank you for inviting me
1: That's it biz leaders thank you for joining me on the business leadership podcast This was episode number 94 with Ellie Fathy If you want to learn more about Ellie Mindbridge or anything else we discussed please go to the slash 94 Our sponsors today are Slingshot VoIP a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what their customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast today. Be sure to follow us on social media at tblcast. And if you do take a screenshot of the following, or subscribing to the podcast, post it on the Facebook group and I'll give you a shout on the next episode. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.